and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. And today we're going back into our Gaming 101 series, and we're going to talk about the basics of RPG games or role-playing games. We're going to touch a little bit about digital games and tabletop games and pen and paper games and cover the basics of the genre really that got me started on the research. This was part of what I really wanted to focus on when I started doing the Game on Girl research. So I take a lot of this knowledge for granted. I just kind of assume that everybody listening knows this. And we all know what happens when you make assumptions, don't we, Rhonda? Yes. (laughs) Because I'm just very casually associated or or, uh, familiar with RPGs. Right. You haven't had a whole lot of experience with it, which I need to keep in mind sometimes. And I need to keep in mind I've actually had at least one listener who's uh, asked me a couple of times, you keep throwing these terms around. I need to know what they mean. So that's one of the reasons why we keep coming back to this Gaming Basics series is we want to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. But we also want to give you guys shows that you can take to your family and friends who maybe aren't gamers and can help them sort of understand the basics of you know all these different genres and all these different things that we talk about and that we love as as gamers. So let's get started with um, kind of the basics of role playing games. Uh, first of all, we do have the initials RPG. So you will hear people say RPG. There generally you have a character that you are controlling in a fantasy world of some sort, and the role playing part of it has a couple of different aspects to it. Um, including a formal system of rules and guidelines, but also talent points and ways that you are able as the player to customize the character that you're playing. And that's true in both tabletop role-playing games and also uh, digital ones. So is this like playing the uh, race car in Monopoly or like playing uh, Mr. Mustard in Clue? <laughs> Uh, perhaps to a small degree. Um, I, I think the race car, the, when, the only thing a race car I think would have in common with role playing would be if you make the vroom vroom sound as you're like moving around the board. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, you always do. Of course, because why wouldn't you? Um, and I think some people sort of when they play, there might be a little bit of uh, role playing or acting out of stories when people play Clue. But it's certainly not integral to the gameplay that you have to sort of take on that persona unless unless you enjoy that. And so taking on the character is a major part of the gameplay then. Yes, because you're making decisions about how that character is going to interact with the world that you're playing in. So there, the talents and skills and all that stuff that you're talking about is major part of the rules and what your turn consists of then. Exactly. And how you build a character. Now, people who play long-term tabletop RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons, you know, there are people who play for years with the same characters and build those characters up are, you know, very carefully sort of adding skill points and talent points into their characters and how they build those characters. And they give them different abilities, different spells they can cast or different fight maneuvers they can do as they progress and grow that character. So it might be confusing to some people to understand how someone could play a game 
for years and years. <laughs> and if you think about it like this, maybe the Spider-Man or the Batman franchise, movie franchise, sure. the character builds and develops through each movie. Uh, the associations, the relationships, they all grow and change. Um, the abilities and uh, cool tools and stuff like that change. They go through phases and it, it, it's sort of like that, right? Absolutely. And the, the first example that's popping to my head right now is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I'm thinking mm, yeah. about the way Frodo leveled through his journey. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we, you know, we can very much see how he progressed, how his skills progressed, how he learned how to fight how he gathered things to him that helped him, like the mithril vest that he got from Bilbo and Sting, the blade that he was given that, you know, glowed blue when goblins were near. Um, even the uh, cape that he was given by um, the elf queen yes. that allowed him to blend into the, to the background. So, you know, as he sort of progressed through the story and through his adventure, his skill set increased and changed and he learned new things and new abilities as he went through that journey. So that's one of the reasons why these games can last so long because these adventurers, the personas that they're taking on, can you know, change and, and the different places that they go, they can fight different foes, you know, all of that is incorporated into role-playing games. So is the key to this to create something that's as close to realism as possible, or is it something else? I think it's something else. I, I think it falls more into the fantasy ideal for gamers, because you know, there are days, there are days when I really do wish that I can shoot magic missiles from my hands or from yeah. of some kind that I'm carrying. But that's just not an ability that, you know, Regina McMenemy has. Um, you know, my sorceress or, you know, that I had in uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons online, she had the magic missiles and it was awesome. You know, um, so there is that element of idealized uh, fantasy that is incorporated in role playing games uh, to a degree. I mean, there's all different kinds of role-playing games those are just sort of the biggest area of role-playing games tends to to focus on fantasy worlds yeah um i i found when i was doing i wanted to do a little research and and bring some questions to the table and and see how much i could um uh, could cover and learn from you but it looks like that role-playing games for the most part fall into probably three different forms three different types mm -hmm. um you've already mentioned like tabletop there's also larp or larping right and video games because that's where i've experienced role playing the most is in video games right and tabletop games like you mentioned pen and paper uh larping people may have heard of that term a little more often lately than usual it's becoming a little bit more common like uh MMORPG right. that gets thrown around a lot. But now, have you have you played all three of these types? I have not played all three of these types. I I have rolled a couple of characters for tabletop uh, role playing games that haven't actually happened yet. <laughs> uh -huh. Still in the hopes for them happening, but um, it's often difficult to get people together and to commit to. Um, to gaming in this kind of format because it does take a fair amount of time and devotion to to game this way. Um, so I haven't played, but I have familiarized myself with the rules as I was, you know, rolling my. I think I was going to play a paladin 
or no, I was going to play a, a cleric. That's what I was going to do. That was one of the reasons why in Neverwinter I was interested in playing the devoted cleric yeah. because I had wanted to play a cleric in the tabletop game that we are still going to get together one of these days. <laughs> so what do you mean by rolling a character? When you roll a character, that thank you. That's a great that's a great thing. It's really funny because people used to say that when I would play World of Warcraft. They'd say, oh, I'm going to roll a paladin oh i'm going to roll a druid and i was always like okay well that's an interesting sort of phrase but i never thought about where it came from now in a tabletop rpg when you roll a character you literally roll dice to see what abilities that character is going to have so you have a set number of dice um usually six-sided die that you roll and i think in the version of D&D that we were playing, uh, I rolled six dice and I could use four of them. Um, to, and then those become the stats that you build your character around. So if you know a character needs a certain ability like uh, charisma or, um, uh, oh God, dexterity, if they're going to be a fighter or somebody who needs to be able to move quickly and smoothly, you want to make sure when you have your high numbers, they go into those categories. So literally when you roll a character, you are rolling the dice in order to determine what kinds of skills that character is going to have. And then, um, LARPing, uh, mentioned that that's, that is L-A-R-P. That stands for live action role playing. Right. And you actually have, has have a friend that's a LARPer? I do. I have a friend who's a very devoted LARPer who um, I think it's four times a year he gets together with his LARPing group and it's a weekend event where they go to a Boy Scout camp in the Pacific Northwest and they spend a weekend at the camp in interacting in this um, this world and that they've created with the characters they've created and he's had a couple of different roles in that uh, LARP setting where um, when I reconnected with him a couple of years ago he was actually a storyteller so he was one of the people who was making up the events that were happening in the world so the different things that were you know events that impacted all of the characters were the kinds of things that he was making up and sort of coordinating and he stepped down from that I think a little less than a year ago so he could go back and actually be a player instead of the story creator and that really is the the crucial basis of role-playing games, and that is storytelling. Absolutely. These are very story-driven games and um, very much based in kind of the lore of the way the games evolve and staying true to that, which is one of the things that my friend talks about with the LARPing is making sure that his character stays true to the ideas he had about him, to his who he is as a character. One of the things tabletop gamers and LARPers will talk about is the idea of metagaming, which is another phrase for us, which is when you react as you would. I would react as Regina instead of oh, I see. Aaron or whatever my character's name might have been. If, I have, if I'm reacting in the game like I am, then that's metagaming. That's stepping out of the game into who you are. And that's, that's a pretty big no-no. <laughs> in right. very traditional role-playing games, you are supposed to be your character and you're supposed to be making your decisions based on how that character behaves, not how you behave. Staying within character and staying within the narrative and the rules, I mean, that that is basically the mechanics of how this game proceeds, right. is knowing all of your abilities, knowing your skills, knowing your weaknesses, and knowing your strengths, right. and then interacting within the parameters of the story that the storyteller has laid out. And the storyteller is typically called a, a GM, or I always heard DM. Yeah, Dungeon Master. Um, 
DM, dungeon master DM or dungeon, game master. Yeah, or game master, exactly. Yep. Imagine it like this. If you're watching a TV show or a movie, let's say we're watching the Batman movie, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of the movie... Batman is able to crawl up the wall like a spider, you're going to say, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. That doesn't fit in this world. That is against the rules. All of a sudden, he's he's not Spider-Man. <laughs> and so that is, those are the parameters that you're given. And that's the challenge of the, of the game at the same time, creating a, a great story. Exactly. Exactly. Creating a story that works within the reality of the you know, the story that's being told. Now, the, it's a little more difficult. The last form of RPG that I'm more familiar with is we've got tabletop, we have LARPing, and um, I just want to be clear that the tabletop gaming, which you typically will see is uh, either a board or maybe a map or maybe not anything at all. Sometimes you can see miniature figures of characters, mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it is just people with a uh, written character sheet that's got all of their abilities, all, basically all the rules for their character. And then everybody takes a turn uh, interacting with the story or whatever the current event is. Right. In LARPing, you actually act as the character. Right. Almost to the point of, if you want, most often dressing up as the character, mm -hmm. uh, wielding um prop swords and shields and it's act actually but you're still operating under the rules right right you're still within that that frame of reference in terms of what what the universe that you're interacting is is doing what what rules happen there um for my friend's larp it's um i think it's just post medieval but it's close to that era so all of their food that they eat has to be stuff that could be made in that time and as yeah. he said, essentially, people just make a lot of soup because it's really <laughs> easy to cut food up and it has to be cooked over a fire. You know, they can't they can't bring the microwave in and uh, they don't have like in the episode of Supernatural that we talked about that had, you know, the time portal where he walked into the tent with yeah. the computers. They weren't that sophisticated in their setup. So all of that stuff is left behind. You're not on your phone. You sort of, you know, you, you step away from all of the all of the the promises and the luxuries of the modern world he leaves behind when he goes into there, into the LARP. So, and then the video games, there's some real bonuses and there's some real negatives with that too. Mm -hmm. um, you can play single player RPG where you take on the persona or the character within a predefined world in the video game, which is, based on a, a set of rules. Right. Uh, you can operate that character to build up skills and, and abilities over time. But you can also play online with multiple people in the same way. It's RPG is more often a very social event. Absolutely. I, it's, it's sort of dependent on, if not social in the term of an MMORPG, where MMO, MMO stands for Massively Multiplayer Online Game. Um, if, it, if you're not in that kind of realm where you're actually, as a character, interacting with other people who are controlling other characters, you are a character interacting with other NPCs. And NPC stands for Non-Playable Character. So an example of a RPG game that's a single-player game 
would be like Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2, where you go in as the player and interact in the world. And you collect companions with you who come to, who come with you to help you as you're adventuring. So you still have that social aspect in terms of you still have people with you, but they're not being played by other people. <laughs> That and that's sense. sort of the way Mass Effect is, right? Exactly. That's exactly the the reason why Mass Effect has sort of RPG elements to it is that same that same basic idea where you're collecting people with you who could who can help you out. One of the great things that you could do in Dungeons and Dragons Online was you could actually hire people to come out with you. So if you were playing, because that was a massively multiplayer game, so when we were playing and we were short a person, you could go and we didn't have a healer, you could go hire a healer to come oh, okay. and run with you in the dungeon and you know you just paid your gold and then you had somebody who just did you know very basic it was a you know artificial intelligence it was an ai running it but you would have a healer there who would help you know their main goal is to keep the group alive right so you could have you know those extra people and sort of fill in your slots if you didn't have everybody to to play the way you needed them to and the video games have some of the the most common characteristics of rpgs there typically is a more immersive story. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, at the very beginning of the game, you are given uh, a lot more control than normal in creating a character. Right. There, there are usually some limitations. Uh, some games have more options than others, but they can get they can get pretty detailed, just like we saw with uh, Neverwinter just recently, mm-hmm. where you can select the jaw size, how much the chin juts out, right. what eye color, scars. Right. And then, and not just physical, but also uh, what the background is. That this is a a real sign of role playing game. Yeah, exactly. The the immersive nature. Those are all things that you can do in another role playing game that I've been talking about is Guild Wars Two, where you can select the area where your your character came from and their religious affiliation, which is another option you have in Neverwinter as well. You also had the option, like they asked some really interesting questions like, you know, what was your dream job when you were growing up or things like that, that gave a certain amount of depth to a character that you might not have otherwise had in character creators like you might have had in like World of Warcraft that were you know, really basic and really sort of cookie cutter examples of, you know, you have 10 faces you can have and 10 hairstyles and 10, you know, this and that, that kind of idea where it's just, it doesn't have the flexibility that we, we're seeing emerge now in the character creators. So we're, we're typically dealing with uh, some sort of fantasy world um, set in a particular period of time. Um, the gameplay, from what I understand, from just what I've seen, you've got a dungeon master or game master, whichever term you want to use, um, who either by themselves or collaboratively creates a game world. They set up the rules and decide what kind of characters they can have. The players pick what kind of character they want to play. And then basically the dungeon master presents a storyline for the evening, just like you would an episode of television. Right. And presents that to the characters, and then they have to respond. And so there's a give and take, just like in a board game, you roll a dice, you draw a card, and you have to deal with the consequences on the card. Exactly. That's a, It's the same basic idea. There was actually a Big Bang Theory episode recently, the Christmas episode this year, they played Dungeons & Dragons. And Leonard did a... Christmas themed dungeon essentially. So so their their main goal for the evening in the story that they were playing was to rescue Santa. 
so that that was their thing for for their oh yeah that's right now i'm remembering yeah Yeah. was to rescue santa was at the end and and a lot of the clues were songs from christmas carols or different things that they had to like remember and understand uh, that were allusions to christmas itself not all of these games are created just out of the imaginations of the players. There are innumerable number of games that are printed and available for, for purchase yep. to play either tabletop or LARPing games. Right, and that's that's the idea. You can go and you can buy essentially a booklet, a small booklet that is a campaign, and that's the idea, is a story that's already pre-written for you to use with your friends as you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. So you go and you buy the campaign and someone has written it. And those are often written by players and then marketed by um, Wizards of the Coast who are based out of Seattle are the ones who do Dungeons and Dragons. And so sometimes those are player written campaigns that get turned into them and then they turn them into books. The possibilities for this type of gaming is just, it's boundless because Mm -hmm. it's basically storytelling and it's great for creating that imagination in children, for establishing a rule set mm-hmm. where you have to work within the boundaries to so- do problem solving. And it's also just so much fun to, I mean, you can do it short, you can do it long. I mean, if you could create a, a party or a game with your friends yep. and everybody take on a character, I mean, it's it's not, it doesn't have to be difficult. No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking now that you said that, I'm remembering um, in high school and early in college, we were big fans of um, the how to host a murder parties. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those with the booklets? And, yeah, and you, we did those. Yeah, you had the map. Sometimes you would have a map of the mansion and you had the booklet and you would read your booklet and you'd have different set of information that you'd get on each section of, of as you were, you know, going through your dinner and playing. Um, and my mom used to love to pick those up at like secondhand stores for me. And this is total sideline story, but it's still amusing. Um, we we decided on New Year's Eve I was going to host a how to host a murder party. And I hadn't gone through the box in great detail before I had, you know, planned it. And I had given everybody their roles and I'd gone through the instructions and I'd assigned all my friends the roles. And I had more people coming than I had roles. So I had to like kind of make up and somebody was the butler and this and that. And so we had, you know, kind of like extra. <laughs> Or people added in. So when we sat down to actually go play, or when I went to set it up that day, I found out that one of the books was missing. <gasps> oh, no. And this was long before there was like the internet where you could like go and like try to find a book, maybe. We were oh, missing wow. one of the books. And so my, my one friend who I had given to be the given the role of being the butler and he was so great because he showed up in a coat with like a towel over his arm and he was like all ready to be the butler it was really fantastic and I'm like great news we have a part for you and he's like fantastic and he took the towel and he threw it off his arm <laughs> and I'm like but the bad news is we don't have a book <laughs> so he had to play all night as like the character who was just like oh look over there and then he would run out of the room (laughs) because he had nothing to share he had no you know story but it was really funny but luckily enough my my friends were intelligent enough and and uh, savvy enough that we were actually able to solve the crime just with the the information we had um with the books that we had and it turned out to actually be the person whose book was missing (laughs) oh no so we didn't ever get the confession. And I think what he ended up just running out at the end of the night. He's like, I got to go by. And he took off. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. It was really good. As you can tell, I hung out with a bunch of drama nerds. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, we had a we had a friend who wanted to host one. She was just a very social person, and she was very excited about this. Everybody dressing up for this party, and she had invited a, a whole bunch of people that she was familiar with and not familiar with. And when she assigned me a role, and then at the end she called me up and she's like, you know, I hate to tell you this, but. I've got these certain people coming and I signed them all roles and the only role left is a man. <laughs> so I went as a man. I bought a mustache. Nice. <laughs> I slicked my hair back. I, I wore a suit. I mean, it was just, it was great. You were a drag king. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. And we had a couple of people do that. We actually, we did a Star Trek one after this and we had done a Star Ooh. Trek Next Generation one and uh, we made a, a guy, a male friend of mine ended up being Guinan. <laughs> oh. Okay. Which is still all right. Works. Yeah, it totally works. <laughs> but to get back on track. Anyway, so that's an example of sort of a that that is a role playing game where everybody has a different character that they're taking on and and acting out as the night goes goes on. And um, we always had great amount of fun. I actually found a, a, a full set of one of those at a secondhand store with my mom over the summer um, that I, I'm going to bring home and try to try to organize just for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> well, there's just a, a handful more terms I just want to run through real quick that people might have heard. Um, one is uh, sometimes you, you'll, you might hear rolling initiative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I believe, is to determine who goes first. Yes, to determine who goes first and in what order the, the, the actions you can take. Cause it, so if you're a wizard or a sorceress of some kind, you have different spells. So you have to, to figure out how many of those spells you can um, cast and all the different things you can do. And that's part of what the initiative role is. Okay. And then sometimes you'll hear the word uh, rolling a natural. Right. Like a, all my 20s are natural. <laughs> Yes. So often when you have there's a there's a there's a set of dice, polyhedral dice that are your standard gaming dice and they come in multiple denominations. So the biggest die that you have is a 20. So that's the big die. It's a 20. It's got 20 sides. It's got a 20-sided die. Um, okay. So when you say, you know, all my 20s are natural, I actually have a t-shirt that has that on the front with two dice <laughs> on it. 20s all my 20s are natural um <laughs> which if um people ask i may i'll pack and bring the packs east if people are interested um <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know i'm there i'll start a campaign i know <laughs> Uh, so you have um, your character as it grows and changes in your abilities, you'll have modifier dice that you can roll your 20 plus a different number die along with it um, that will modify that die that might bring you up to 20 and a 20 is a critical hit. So if you roll a 20 and you're trying to hit with magic missiles and you roll a 20, you get a critical hit, which is most likely going to, if not kill your character, do severe damage to it, depending on your abilities and your level and the level of your characters. Because your level, your characters that you're fighting progress as your level, your your character you're playing progresses as well. So um, you'll have modifier dice that you roll along with your 20 or whatever other die you might be rolling. So when you roll a natural, it's just, it's a 20 on your 20, um, as opposed to a 20 that was 17 plus a 3 off a modifier die. That's a natural roll. Okay. Well, um, can you think of any other common terms? I mean, those are all the ones that I'm familiar with. And I think we've hit several just in explaining uh, things about character creation and playing the game. Yeah, skill sets really the big the big things about um 
about role-playing games are generally that you pick you pick a class to play, uh, which is the type of character you have, like a fighter or a warrior or a wizard or all those different things. You pick a class, and then within that, you build your skill tree and your skill sets. And, and those are really the components that are mainly role-playing components and are the components that have been taken out of traditional role-playing games and put into some of the games that we're familiar with. I know that you're familiar with Borderlands, Borderlands yep. 2, and it uses an RPG-like skill set where you can change and modify yeah. the abilities your character has depending on what what play style you want to have. So that's that's very much the flexibility associated with gameplay is huge for role-playing games that you can just change and go back and forth and do all kinds of different things is one of the reasons why role-playing games are so versatile and so popular and so engaging because there are just a lot of different experiences you can have in them. Yeah, I think the the most immersive I got with a role-playing game was when I I played Diablo. Yes. <laughs> I, I had so spreadsheets and spreadsheets. <laughs> I, I sat down and I tried to calculate the best combination of weaponry and mm-hmm. skills so that I could be the most powerful character. It was it was so much fun. Yeah, it's it's I think Rhonda for for your sanity and probably for your ability to do anything else in life, it's probably a good thing you never really got into WoW because yeah, <laughs> you probably would have drowned in it because yeah. there are people who you know there are pages and pages of information where people have gone and done all that for every character class and every character build and every skill set you can have in World of Warcraft so I can just see you very much having gotten sucked into that so maybe it's yeah. a good thing you never really got sucked into the the, okay. the MMORPG so. experience <laughs> even though I'm going to so. continue to tease you with it because I still <laughs> think you'd have a good time and I do have oh, to yeah. keep up my cred as the gaming gateway drug so oh yeah I mean I even printed off the skill tree for my character in Borderlands so that I could could know how I change it or alter it. So because you can go into Borderlands and you can reset everything and redo it. Yeah, absolutely. You can do that in World of Warcraft as well. It used to be outrageously oh, yeah. expensive to be able to re- reskill your um, your character, redo your points, and uh, and then when they one of the uh, expansions that they did, they ended up making because it was like two thousand gold the first time you did it or something like yeah. that. Or no, that was for dual specking, so you could actually have two different sets of skills. Dual specking used to cost like two thousand gold, and then it went down to just costing like a hundred or something like that, and people were all bent out of shape. But you know, you do have to pay to do it in in some of those games. But um, it is a really nice ability. That's another thing that's great about Orcs Must Die too, as well, because it's not skill sets, but you're building the traps that you use and the weapons that you use, and you yeah. hit a button and you can redo it. And you weren't able to do that in the original Orcs Must Die, so it's really nice that you have the ability to sort of respec your your things because they're the play is so dynamic in that game now that you really need the ability to go in and just kind of mess with everything. Now, if I understand on with tabletop games, you you don't respect your characters. Not generally, no. You you would you know, and characters die. There's permadeath in those characters. You know, we've talked about the idea of permadeath before where you don't get to reload. And that's very much the case for tabletop role-playing games where your character dies and you're dead. That's it. There's no there's no going back and there's no replay with those characters. And respecking is not something that's that happens in those games. You have to make you have to be very conscious of the decisions you're making from the moment you start that character. You have to know 
that you want them to have the skills that you're focused on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought because I've watched a few uh, a few uh, geek movies lately, and <laughs> one in particular where the guys character died and he'd been building that character for years Mm -hmm. yeah and uh it was quite traumatic yeah you know you feel you know we've we talked about it when you lost your mass effect character (laughs) was gone and (laughs) smoky i miss smoky yeah it's it's you know you have that that attachment to the characters i actually think i was thinking about this i was actually talking with mark yesterday and he was asking about my um the non Nia interview that we did and how Nanania was talking about not really wanting to roll another character and how neither one of us really felt any sort of desire to go back and play oh, yeah. another serious MMORPG. And I was thinking about how much of, you know, I, w- I don't first identify as a self-gamer. I think my second identification is as a self-gamer. But when I think about the time I put into playing World of Warcraft and the time I took to play my Warlock, I think... I don't want to put that much of myself in another game character, at least not at this point in time. Like, there's so much time and energy and effort put into it. I just really can't see myself doing that again at this point. I'm sure I'll come around to it again. But right now, I'm just like, oh, that's too much dedication. (laughs) Yeah. It's too much time to play. It's too much of myself I have to put in it. Too much learning to do. Too much research. You know, there are also some uh, what I would consider light role-playing games mm-hmm. in uh, tabletop board games. Absolutely. They they come with uh, small little character sheets that give you the, the, the rules and the boundaries of your characters. Um, Arkham nice. Horror, yep. Elder Sign does that. Yeah. Um, Earth Reborn does that. Their movement and their intelligence and yeah. all those kinds of things. One of the games that I'm thinking of is Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yes, um, that has yes. that as well, where you have a certain set number of movement that you can make and a set number of intelligence. And those are, you know, those are your the ways that you interact in the world. And those are those are sort of good gateway drugs too, or gateway games. Yeah, Pandemic <laughs> is another good one. Pandemic is another great one for that. Absolutely. The different abilities you have based on your character. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the, the, the rules set on those aren't nearly as complicated. Pretty much the rules are the same for everybody, mm-hmm. but you, You've pretty much got one special skill apiece yep. that helps you play the game. So that's a that's a really good introduction to kind of role playing. Exactly, sort of getting in an understanding that that some characters do different things. Yeah, you know? yeah. So if you want to check out introductory sort of board games to role playing games, Pandemic and Betrayal at House on the Hill. I know yeah. Ron and I both played both of those and have enjoyed them. So you can check yeah. those out as sort of let me get to know this crazy role playing genre. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any questions about role playing games, or if you've got a suggestion on a topic that we could cover in our gaming one on one series, we'd really love to hear about it, and you can. Leave Leave those comments on GameOnGirl.com. You have been listening to Game On Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoRoom. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M. You can also read my tech blog at DrillOnTheFrog.com or email me, Rhonda, at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, 
Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter and on Steam. And before we close out for today, I wanted to make a couple of announcements and let people know about some exciting stuff that's coming up. As we've mentioned before, Rhonda and I are going to be presenting a panel at PAX East, which is going to be March 22nd, uh, scheduled right now for Friday at 5.30 p.m. in the Sphinx. And it's going to be 200% more. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely outrageously awesome uh we've got some great stuff planned uh and it will be very interactive there'll be some stuff for you guys to do as you're as we're presenting it won't just be the two of us sort of chatting up at the front of the room although there'll be some of that as well um so make sure to come if you're coming to pax east also i will be selling um wristbands for game on girl uh, which look absolutely fantastic. I just got them in today. I put some pictures up on Twitter of them as well. They are uh, multi-shades of purple, and they say Game on Girl on them. And if you buy them in person from me, they'll be a dollar. So um, if you're interested in a Game on Girl wristband, please let me know and catch me at PAX East for that. Also, if you guys didn't hear about it, uh, Geek and Sundry has announced that they're doing an International Tabletop Day. Yay! Let's make it a thing. We got to make it a thing. And we want to make a Game on Girl thing with this. So we'd love to know if you guys are making some plans for International Tabletop Day. It's going to be Saturday, March 30th. And it's international, so it's going to be all over. And they have a form for you to actually register, like any private events that you're doing or any public events that you're doing. So if you have a local game store that you go and game at, uh, maybe you can get together with them and organize an event. Uh, we're going to try to organize some events and maybe Skype together, um, you know, with Rhonda and I at least together to get our groups together, sort of interacting. But we definitely want to know what you guys have planned. So please let us know. Leave us comments on the website and let us know what plans you guys have. Or if you want to sort of help promote Game on Girl with this, uh, let us know that too, because we'd love to get sort of an official international tabletop day game on girl thing going on so yeah spread the word spread the word get the word out about tabletop game day international tabletop game day and we'll have some information up on the website about that as well yeah i think uh felicia day said hashtag tabletop day yes she did she did say hashtag tabletop day so when she announced that so check check it out follow the hashtag let us know what you're doing we want to make this fantastic and huge and awesome because that's what gaming is yes yes (laughs) go forth and game go forth and game So thanks so much for listening to Game on Girl. We're part of the Radio Fubar network at RadioFubar.com, and we're also on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with other references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under Creative Commons Attribution License. Thanks for listening, and until next time, tabletop or video, game on. Game on.